This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Nowadays, sometimes you can look at the world and think, we've gone crazy. Things seem out of control. But remember, God is always in control. Are you looking for something fresh, new, and exciting? This is the Outreach.fm podcast. Taking the positive message of Jesus Christ to the world. Proclaiming he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Broadcasting from the Upper Room Studios to the world. Are you ready? Let's get into it. This is Outreach.fm. And now, here's Pastor William Luffman. In Luke chapter 18, verse 1, Jesus is speaking here. And the Bible says he spake a parable unto them to this end. That men ought always, everybody say always, to pray and not to faint. Now we covered this a few months back and we used the story here of the unjust judge, how this lady went to him and, and even though he wasn't godly, because she absolutely would not, she was persistent and she kept going, eventually she got the answer. And then the Bible goes on to say, well, you know, if an unjust person will help somebody in need, then how much more will God help his people? But remember, how does God help his people? Well, he helps us when we pray. Everyone say pray. Now, we have to have a prayer life. I believe this is the most exciting message I've ever preached in my life. If I didn't, I wouldn't be up here. Now, I know when you say the word prayer and you're going to tell people you're going to preach on it, they kind of like, oh, okay, I hope it's, you know, but I promise you, This word is alive, and I believe it'll be a blessing to you. Can you say amen? Amen. Dwight L. Moody said, every one of our children, how many of you have children? We have four, one in heaven, three on the earth. We have 11 grandchildren. We have five great-grandchildren. Every one of our children, Dwight L. Moody said, how many? Every one of our children will be brought into the ark if we pray. If we pray. Well, Pastor William, you don't know, I've got some kids way out there and they're, listen, let me tell you something. There's one way to know, there's, there's one thing that can get them out of that world, one thing that can bring them to the altars of God, one thing, and it's knowing how to pray and pray them. Prayer is powerful. Prayer is super powerful. Can you shout amen? And Oswald Chambers said, prayer is not an exercise, it is the life. So prayer becomes part of your life. It's like I know where to go. If I, if I, when I get up in the mornings, I pray. Well, actually, before I get up, I'm already praying before then. But I know I have to do that because prayer sets the table for the day. I don't know what I'm going to face when I go out that door. I don't know what I'm going to have to deal with. As a pastor, I deal with a lot of things because I help people with their problems. And I know that I'm going to need to have spent time with God so he can equip me so that when I step out that door, I'm ready for the moment. Prayer makes you ready for the moment. If you wait to pray when you get in the moment, a lot of times it's very difficult to make it through. That's why a lot of people have trouble. They don't pray until they're in trouble. But if you have a prayer life, it's amazing. I have, I have stepped into some moments that were so much bigger than me, bigger than my education, bigger than my intelligence, bigger than, than anything about me, but I've stepped into them and whew, when, they, when I was done and I looked back, it wound up, not, this is not bragging about me at all, but, but it wound up being pretty good. 
But I know why I was able to step in that moment and be effective. It's because I already had been praying. Prayer will prepare you for things that you don't know you're being prepared for. Now, let me ask you this. When something happens, would you rather be unprepared or prepared? I'd rather be prepared. That makes it a lot. That's going to make this thing doable. Everybody say doable. So prayer makes things doable. I'm just throwing out little phrases here, just kind of little hooks in the water here to see if I can get you to nibble. Just another little hook here and see what it'll take to get you to come on in to be part of the message today. 71% of Americans say that they believe that God definitely answers prayer. Another 15% believe that God probably answers prayer. That means 86% of Americans believe that prayer is effective, but only 33% of Christians even pray on a regular basis. Now, that is a paradox. It doesn't even make sense. If you believe that it's effective, you believe that, it, that it, it'll do something, then it would seem like it, you just follow that by, by just praying. But we, we've allowed so many things in our life, we allow so many voices in our life that we somehow crowd out the space for God is never there. It's like the crowd kind of drowns it out and we're not able to even, we don't spend the time in prayer that we should, we should, we should be spending. Can you shout amen? amen? Now, why is that? I wrote down a couple quick things. Number one, uh, some people believe that prayer isn't foolproof. You know, that it's like a game of chance. Well, I'll pray about it, but you know, I don't know. Well, see, that, see, see so a lot of people say, well, I don't know. But see, you got to get to the point where you believe, even, even if I pray and I don't see an immediate result, I have to believe that praying was the right thing and somehow it will show up later or something will help me later on. So that would be number one. Number two, uh, we're reminded of some prayer that wasn't answered in the past. So I'm not going to pray. Listen, I prayed for this and it didn't happen and I, that proves it doesn't work sometimes. And, and so that'll get in your head and it'll get in your heart and it'll make you hesitant to pray. There was a time when I lost everything in my life and in, in the early 80s when I was a very young man in my very beginning of my 20s, I'd started a family foolishly in my teens and it crashed and burned when I got to be 20 and 21. You know the story. And, and so I prayed for God to restore it. I asked God to restore that family, but what I didn't realize, there were a lot of other factors going on out there. Uh, the other person, other things going on. And when I prayed, the Lord heard my prayer. He said, I know what you're praying for, but I know deep down inside what you really, really, really want. What you really want is you want a family, you want a life, you want to be a minister, you want to serve me, you want somebody to serve you, uh, serve me, with you and so keep praying even though it doesn't look like I'm answering that prayer I actually am preparing something but what did he say people ought always to pray and not what don't faint now that word in the Greek is ekakeo ekakeo that word faint here's what it means it means to fail in heart what does that mean it's when your heart maybe your heart gets broken you know, you, you get, if you've lived very long on planet Earth, your heart's going to get broken, and that's just a fact, Jack. My heart was broken. Back when I was a young man, I was heartbroken. But I had a choice. Am I going to keep praying or am I going to faint? What am I going to do here? 
I mean, I've got, I've got debris all around me. I've got all, I'm crying. I mean, I cried so hard. I mean, I was sobbing. How many of you know what sobbing is? Sobbing is more than crying. It's like heaving, you know? And I was, that, that's, how, that's how it was. But despite my brokenness, I decided I have two choices. I can either quit or I can pray, and I'm just going to keep praying. Can you shout amen? It also means, this word ekakeo in the Greek means to become exhausted. Some things in life don't pass quickly. Have you noticed? Have you ever prayed when you've been in something that's really intense and something that's stressful? I just wish this would hurry up and get over. How many of you ever said that? I have. I just wish this would hurry up and get over. But sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it lingers. Sometimes it goes another day. Sometimes it goes another week. Sometimes it goes another month. And it goes along for a while. And the Bible, that's why the Bible says you have to learn how to have long suffering. So what are you going to do? Are you going to become, like they said, exhausted or are you going to pray? Well, even when it's going on and it keeps going on, here's, your, here's the thing. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep praying. Keep, I'm not saying anything, Pastor Reeve. Keep praying. It's not going away, Pastor Reeve. Keep praying. Things aren't happening. Keep praying. Can you shout amen? Ekakeo, another word here means to let go of hope. Now, this is where a lot of people really get to. Listen, when you let go of hope, you've, you've let go. Hope is critical. Don't ever let someone say this to you. And I know it's a popular thing to say in the world. People try to build in these self-defense mechanisms within themselves, but, but we need to defend that. Don't ever let anyone say to you, well, you might as well just give up. You might as well just lose hope. Or they say something like this, don't get your hopes up. And you got to say, well, wait a minute. I'm not getting my hopes up in you, and I'm not getting my hopes up in men. I'm not getting my hopes up in the government. I'm not getting my hopes up in this, but I'm telling you one thing. I'm keeping my hope in God. We did a whole series on hope in here. We've done two or three of them. Maybe I ought to preach on it again, but hope is your heartbeat. As long as you've got hope, your, your, your heart is beating. As long as your heart is beating, there's hope. Can you shout amen? Ekakeo. So don't, don't faint. Don't fail in heart. Don't become exhausted. Don't let go of your hope. Can you shout amen? Now I mentioned this morning, think about this. Uh, if you're single, let's say if you're single in here, if you're married, it's too late. <laughs> but let's just say you're single. Okay, you're single, and uh, like any single person, you probably want to be uh, have a mate. Maybe you're divorced, a widow, whatever the case may be, but that makes you single. And it's your desire to be married, either married or married again. It's your desire. I got a whole book coming out on how you know marriage, divorce, and remarriage. What does the Bible say? And it'll actually be liberating when we get to, that's what I'm writing on. So anyway, so you're, you're in this, but you're single and you want to be married. Now, if you're in the world, here are your options. Well, you can go on an online dating site. Please don't do that. For the love of God, don't do that. Stop. Now, the reason it got quiet is because somebody's doing it. I've been pastoring long enough to know when you... You know, like my mama used to say, you heard me use this illustration many times. If you throw a rock into the pack of, into a pack of dogs, the one get, get, that gets hit is the one that yelps. Yeah, that's true. So I just threw a rock out there. 
If you are married, you better stay off those sites. I'm going to take it a step further. They'll send you little stuff. Oh, in your area, someone this way, look, and look at her, and, she, and they'll put some, you know, a little thing on there and all that. Man, you don't know. That might be a hairy old man. You don't even know who that is. You better watch that stuff. Amen. But you're single and you want to be married and you want to get started again. If you're in the world, what options do you have? Well, you got your intellect. Yeah, that's probably worked for you before in relationships. You got your emotions. Oh, yeah. You know, they're really dependable, aren't they? Got your feelings, right? You got the recommendation of your friend who's going to set you up. But did you know if you are a Christian, you have an incredible option. You can pray about God. Who do you want me to be with? Who is the right person that deep in my heart, you know, would match everything that I need to become what I should be and ultimately what I'd love to be? Who is that person? Lord, blind me to anyone else. Don't let anyone else catch my eye or catch my heart wherever I go. Only open my eyes to the one that you might bring. And Lord, I am here, and that's what I'm going to do. And you pray about it. Amen. How many of us that have gone through divorces in here, and it's a lot of us, I know. I've been there, done that back when I was a young man. How many of us did not pray the first time when we launched out? And Lord, have mercy. What a mess, mess, mess. Thank God for his mercy. Thank God for his mercy. But when you pray, things happen. Well, pastor, I've been waiting a year. I've been single five years. My Lord, pastor, it's been 15 years. What am I supposed to do? Well, you only have two options. You can faint or you can pray. I think you ought to keep praying. Now, it takes prayer it, it takes prayer to get heaven to come to earth. We covered that in Matthew chapter 18 last week. We talked about it. We talked about the Lord's Prayer in Luke 11. We call it the Lord's Prayer. And uh, I've got it. The reason I'm wearing this ring again today is because it has the Lord's Prayer. You can't really see it. you got glasses on, but can you see there's little writing on there? Oh, yes. Yeah, the whole Lord's Prayer is on the, on the face of that little ring. Isn't that awesome? And here, how did that come about? Well, Jesus' disciples noticed that John's disciples prayed. And they said, Lord, teach us to pray like, you know, John taught his disciples, teach us to pray. He said, okay, I'm going to give you the form of a prayer. Now, that prayer won't even work for you and me, and we love to recite it. I know we do. Our Father who art in heaven, I know that. Because later on in the book of John, Jesus said, "Whatever, when I leave you, when you pray, whatever you do, you have to do it in my name. Now, the Lord's Prayer will work for you if you say, in the name of Jesus. But if you just pray it and just say amen at the end, are you here? All right, let, let, let me cover the ABCs of prayer. And I know 99% of you know this, but some of you don't. And that's why as a pastor, it's my job to try to get everybody in the same boat. How do you pray? Very simple. According to the Bible, going to the book of John, how do you pray? Here's, it's like writing a letter. Here's, here's how you do it. You say, Father. Okay, so you're addressing it to the Father. And then you say, Father, and here's the body of your prayer. Whatever you're asking about, you're praying about, you put all that in there. And then you get to the end of that, and then you say, in the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. 
That is a biblical New Testament prayer, and it's the only one that heaven will recognize. If you pray any other way, it's wonderful. It might make you feel better. It may discipline you a little bit, but it's not going to shake heaven and bring heaven down. Listen, if just praying any old prayer would work, no offense to some of these other religions in the world, but they pray a whole lot more than Christians. Some of them pray five times a day. Some of them, some of them go to monasteries and sit there for years and don't say a word and just mutter prayers over and over and over and never see anything change. Now, my, my job as your pastor is to teach you. They said, teach us how to pray. So he gave them the form. If you look at that prayer, that prayer and we won't break it on down, but uh, there, there are parts in there he wants you to pray about, you know, the will of God and forgiveness and all of that provision. It's all in that. See, he's really trying to tell them these are the kind of things you pray for. Not necessarily you pray this prayer, but we've made that prayer like the prayer of the church when we didn't understand. If you don't have the name of Jesus, it's a wonderful, sweet Bunch of words, but it won't it won't bring heaven to earth. Amen. Are you listening to me? Okay, so we're talking about now not fainting, but keeping on praying because again, that's what happens. Prayer is the only connection that mankind has with heaven. Now the Holy Spirit comes on the earth. That's true. Uh, so we, I'm not saying you can't have contact with the Holy Spirit, but what causes heaven? to begin to have what it has in it, which is perfect. Everyone say perfect. As hard as it is to watch a loved one leave this earth, and it's hard. My mom, my dad, my stepfather, who is really more like a father, the only brother I was raised with, one of my sisters I wasn't raised with, passed a couple years ago and they didn't even tell me. Uh, one of our best friends ever that walked ginger down the aisle when we got married, one of our best friends on planet earth, only, only a year or so after they, he walked her down the aisle, he got killed in a car crash. So we have not only dealt with this for people, we've dealt with all kinds of, with congregational members, we've had that in our own life, her son being run over by a car. So we've all gone through, all of us have been touched by death on some level. Amen. Right? Amen. I mean, we have. But heaven is perfect. I want you to know that the, that the sadness you feel don't ever get fooled into thinking it's for them. If they knew the Lord, I promise you, there is not, there's never been a second of sadness since they closed their eyes the last time. Amen. Not even a second. Amen. Yeah, but they're missing this and they're missing that. Oh, but you're, you're missing what they're seeing. Heaven is... We can't even put it in words. The Bible says, I have not seen or you're heard. I mean, it's just, you know, we try to pray it out in the spirit and we can get as much, but, but heaven, but when you pray, you are able to get some of heaven to come down even on this old vile earth and you can experience some of heaven here. But prayer's the way you, you can't get it any other way. It won't just happen automatically. It won't just show up in your life. You've got to know how to get it. By praying and praying when you don't feel like it and praying when things aren't going good and praying when you're, you know, and praying you just go on and on and on about this. I heard, a, I'm going to preach on this next week, by the way. You're not, I don't know if you can handle next week's message, but I'll give you a little sneak preview because we're going to talk about how waiting is the most critical part, part of prayer and we don't like to wait at all. 
I heard one pastor say it this way. Pastor Moore said it this way. He said, God doesn't even own a watch. And you know what we do about 100 times a day? Or we look on our phone. We are so time-minded. We are so mind. I am really, because I'm a scheduled person. I'm a very scheduled person. I don't like anybody messing with my schedule. And if I say I'm going to be somewhere, I don't like it. If anybody delays me, I got to be there. I said I would be there. They, there's a time I'm going to be there. Now, some of you are not saying amen because you are totally, I just spoke in tongues to some of you. That's totally foreign to you. I get it. You just kind of show up. Listen, there's WP time, there's CP time, there's MP time, and you know what that means? That means white people and color people and Mexican people and there's all these. No, 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 no. We Christians, we're supposed to keep our word. And if we say we're going to be there at 10, we're not supposed to get there at 10.40 when we feel like it. I'll drag in the shower a little bit. It'll be all right when I get there. If you do that on your job, you will not have it very long. Although I don't know in America now, we just let people have so much and let them get by with so much, it's ridiculous. We've taken discipline away from every phase of American life now, and we think it's cruel to have discipline, even on a job. Now, don't shout me down because I just preached a little bit right there. There used to be a time your boss was allowed to get on to you. There used to be a time your Sarge was able to get on you. Not have to pet you on the little head and give you a little card because you got to shaking when you came in and you were given an order. Oh, there you go over here. Give me my card. Or whatever it is they're doing in the military now. I don't know. Maybe I'm speaking out of turn. I'm a civilian. I don't know anything. But some of you soldiers have been around a while and know that it is not like when you went in. But somehow or another, you turned out all right. When somebody got down on you and somebody called you a knucklehead or maybe something else, you didn't get crushed for life and go, go into a, you know, a shell. Come on now. Don't shout me down because I'm meddling a little bit. Pastors get to meddle. You know, that's one of our things we get to do. But getting back over to our subject, we have to understand that you pray and you keep praying and things aren't always going to work out in the moment, but you have to believe that if I keep praying, they will work out. I talked a lot in the first service. I won't talk so much about it in this service, but I talked a lot about the first church we pastored that a lot of you have heard about, not, not this church, but the Squirrel House Church. And... It was a musky old building. It had wood paneling on everything in the building. I don't know why, but it had a kitchen because they used to use it for a clubhouse. And, and, and it was horrible. It had those old wooden pews. I mean, the things, like I told them this morning, they weren't even good for kindling for a fire. But I'd go in there about once every year, 18 months. I'd go in there after I got off work painting houses all day. I'd take some sandpaper down there and I'd hand sand all these things. I didn't have an electric sander. My electric sander was right here. It was my right arm. And I'd sand, hand sand down all those old pews. Then I'd dust them off, clean them off with some thinner. I'm going to tell you how to do this. And then I'd use some sanding sealer, not varnish yet, because you've got to put another coat underneath that. Then I'd sand the sanding sealer off and then I'd put the high gloss varnish on it. So when the 12 people showed up on Sunday, if they were on this side, the people wanted to get over there, all they had to do was wiggle a little and they'd just slide over. Because <laughs> there wasn't any pads on those pews. Those things were hard. 
But I remember going down there many days, getting off from work. Pastor Ginger would still be working in Nashville, and I would... The, that church was only about a half mile from where we lived on Monroe Street, and it was on Swift Drive, which is right around the corner. Tanya knows all about that. She knows where that is. And um, I would go down there in my old hoopty car, and I'd pull in there, and I'd go in there and try to clean a little bit, whatever. But I'd always pray. And I'd set my cassette player up on the front. I don't even know what it is. Google it. My cassette player up on the front, and I would put usually Phil Driscoll on and I would cut it on and I'd walk around in that old musky building and I would pray and I would cry so hard because I was, oh, I wanted God to, to help me and please help our church and please send some people over here. and Lord, please let us have enough money in the offering so we can pay the bills of this thing. And, and you know, I just, I mean, I would really just go after it. And I did this, I did this so many times I can't count it. I mean, it's in the, it's in the hundreds really. And Sunday would come and we'd have 12 and 15, sometimes 20, 25, 12, 15, 25, Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday, Sunday after Sunday. And I'd go in there and I'd be like, man, Lord, there's something. But, but, but the thing you say, what's your point? My point is I didn't know everything I know now about even the Bible or how to pray, but I didn't know this much. I couldn't quit praying. If I, if I was not good, if I was going to get run off from the ministry, if I was going to get run off from the ministry and never be a minister of God again, those were the days where I could, it would have been really easy to quit. Remember, we went 11 years and we didn't get a salary. We didn't get a, I didn't, they didn't pay us anything. We got paid zero. We didn't get money to do it. We didn't have anybody showing up hardly. Dorothy remembers. I mean, her little, her kids were small then. I loved it when her kids came because she had five kids. I was like, woohoo! Thank you, Dorothy and Lonnie. We just grew the church 25% when their kids showed up. <laughs> what kept me going when there was no, no, zero, zero promise of things ever getting better, ever turning around, there ever being any more people, there ever being any more money, there ever being another building, what kept me going? Was it because I'm so great? No, but it's because I did know that I needed to pray. Amen. And I'd walk around in that old building, man, and I'd lay hands on those old pews. And, Lord, please fill these pews, please. And then when we finally did break out of that building, and of course I became a youth pastor after that, which was, whoosh, that was a whole lot better. Now, I didn't sleep in those days because those teenagers, man, they wanted to go all the time. So I went all the time. When I wasn't working, I was, most of the time I was with them. I didn't sleep at all. But that was, that was a breeze compared to what I'd been doing. At least I had some, some, some folks with energy around me. The few people that came and showed up over there, they'd come in. I'm trying to preach to them, and they're like, yeah, all right. You say it, Pastor. <laughs> that doesn't work for my personality. I'm a high energy guy. I don't know if you can tell that. I'm a high energy guy. I need a little feedback. I need a little encouragement. Just a little. Just give me a little encouragement. That's all I need. Well, then I became a youth pastor, and those next few years were fun. Man, they were so much fun. God did a lot with that youth group and, and, and those young people, and they, they, they called Ginger and me, most of them called Ginger and me mom and dad. 
They called, we didn't ask them to do that. We never told any of them to call us mom or dad, but they did because we had a relationship with them and it was so fulfilling. Well, then we started this church and we had to go back now. Now we started this church. We had to go back and pick up the remains of the old one that had basically fallen into the dust and we had to start all over again. So we started all over again. And that time we had eight people and some teenagers. We had eight adults and some teenagers. We started over and now we're in the paint and body shop. And you know all the stories. And, And I'm saying all this not, when I tell you these stories, it's never to make you think better of me. It's to show you how I got here. And to let you know that the same God that was with me is with you. You may be in some of these places in your life in a different way financially or maybe you're just coming out of a divorce or death and your life might be really in a desperate spot right now. So I tell these stories so you can connect and say, wow, that's the same God. So what was pastor doing when it was rough? Praying. Everybody say praying. So let me get back to the message now. I better get back up here and do a couple things so we can get something done. All right. If you love the Lord, shout amen. Amen. Number one, so we've come to believe that prayer isn't foolproof. Number two, we're reminded that some of our prayers were unanswered. That's why we don't pray. Another one is that we don't pray because we say we don't know how. But Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27 says, when you don't know how to pray, pray in the Spirit. Says it'll teach you that you know not how you ought to pray. Why do we believe in the Spirit of God in this church? And I know some people ridicule you and mock you and make fun of you if they find out you go to a church that claps and people raise their hand and every now and then somebody dances, oh, somebody shouts, and oh my God, they spoke in tongues. They spoke in tongues. That's of the devil. Tell me who told you that. Where did you get your information on that? Well, I heard somebody say, oh, somebody. Oh, I see. You got it from somebody. But did you get it from the Bible? Because the Bible says they went to the upper room and while they were in there praying, God sent the Holy Spirit on them. The Holy Spirit sat on them, human beings, And it looked to them, they could almost see him. It was so vivid, it looked like almost tongues of fire. It sat on them. And when that that warmth came and got down on the inside of them, they all began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And then we read the book of Acts, the whole book of Acts, which is the new church. church. It's the same church that we came out of. It's the New Testament church that evolved over all these centuries. We came out of that. every, Every Protestant church in the world came out of Acts chapter 2. Even the ones that say, oh, we don't believe in speaking in tongues. Okay, maybe not, but you were birthed there. You can't deny that's where your, where your birth was because it started the book of Acts. Can you shout amen? So I don't know how to pray, Pastor William. Okay, learn how to pray in the Spirit. If you don't know what that is, let one of us know. We'll pray with you and you can get baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I was like 17-year-old hippie kid. I got saved. Two weeks later, I got filled with the Holy Spirit. I didn't even know what the Holy Spirit was. Thank God I didn't have bad teaching because it didn't stop me from receiving what God had. How about number four? Well, let me, let me say this. So we don't know how to pray, okay? That's what the Holy Spirit is for. That's what the Word of God is for. And that's what your pastor's for, to teach you how to pray. That's what I'm doing today. I'm teaching you how to pray. To the Father, Father in heaven, I am having 
this issue at work. Father, I need help. This person is unjust and it's giving me blah, blah, blah. Father, I'm standing on your holy word. I thank you that you want me to prosper and be in health. Even as my soul prospers, you can throw any scriptures in there that fit your situation and they're all in the Bible. And Father, I thank you in advance that you've heard my prayer because I pray in faith. And therefore, Father, I thank you that it shall come to pass in Jesus' name. You get, think of this, you get to sign Jesus' name to it. You have power of attorney. When my Uncle Bill was, you know, sick and even before then, because I served him for 11 years, he was a World War II vet, it was my honor to serve him and to help him in the latter years of his life because he never married, didn't have children or grandchildren. And it was such an honor to serve him. But, you know, he made me, he wound up making me, giving me power of attorney. I remember the day we went to the bank and the person looked over at him, the banker said, now, you do understand that when you sign this document today that your nephew has, it's durable. He has durable power of attorney. He can make any decision he wants about you. He can, he can write, he's on your checking account. He can write the checks. He can go, so you do understand that? And my uncle said, I absolutely do. He, they said, okay, you need to understand that before you do this because once he has the right to this. It's as if, you, he said, it's the same thing as if you're signing it. All of, all of, all of your legal and medical all of this now, it's as if you yourself are signing the document. It will be recognized, even if you don't touch it, it'll be recognized as if you signed it. Amen. Yep. And I remember that day when we did that at the bank. And so for the rest of his life, that's what I was, had that position in his life, to try to make his life as good as I could. You know, I, I took him lunch and, and David, which by the way, please keep praying for David. Can I say this so you will hear me clearly? Nobody's hiding anything about David. David is very sick. And he's been sick for months. He's not sick physically. He's not going to die. He's not, in, uh, he's not in some kind of a medical emergency in that sense. But he's had some issues that have been lingering that have given him some trouble with adjusting. And we were with him the other night. Uh, we, we, we went and had a birthday with him the other night. He needs our prayers. You know, people get suspicious and make up rumors and say dumb stuff that's not even true about anything. I, I never get it. I don't understand why you would, why people would be that way. Well, people are nosy. People are nosy, and they want to try to create something that's not there. That's what happens in churches. People get one little piece of information, then add all their little junk to it, and before you know it, it's a picture that's not real. See, the devil will take one piece of truth, and then he'll put all his little stuff around it and weave it, and then you'll go, oh, that's what he did in the garden. He said, did not God say that you could eat of all the trees? And Eve said, now that part is true, but he did tell us there was still one we couldn't. Oh, well, see, God didn't, he forgot to tell you that if you eat of it, you'll be just like him. They didn't realize it, but they already were. They were made in his image and his likeness, had dominion, had bodies that would never die. They were the gods of this planet. Are you listening to me? So, I don't even know how I got off into that, but I feel like I just, everybody knows what's going on. Pray. Pray. What's the answer to really everything that's going to pray? So it's my job as your pastor also to teach you how to pray. Pray to the Father. Put it in the name of Jesus. So I had, I had power of attorney with Uncle Bill all the way to his last day. And uh, you have power of attorney. Somebody said, well, who's going to sign this letter that I'm asking God to do all this? Who's going to sign this? Well, you are, but you don't sign your name. You sign the name of Jesus. That's the Bible. That's not Pastor William. It's not even faith outreach doctrine. It's Bible doctrine. Now, 
Another reason people don't pray that we say we're too busy to pray. Pastor William, you don't understand. I've got a job. I got kids. I own a business. I got six dogs. I don't know how many of you got six dogs with my hand is up. Uh, and we can go down the list of all the reasons that we, because we just don't have enough time. For, Pastor William, so let me see, let me, let, me, let me get this straight. So you do have time for frustration, disappointment, heartbreak, weariness, irritation, health issues, which that's, that'll, that'll come out of all that, by the way. You have time for that, but you don't have time to pray. Let me tell you why I know you have time to pray. Because you can pray anywhere at any time. Write that down. The reason you have time to pray is because you can pray anywhere at any time. Now, it's great to pray in the church, and it's great when we come together here. That's great. You ought to say some prayers while you're in the building. But honestly, the good news is you can pray anywhere, anytime. You can pray at your work. Well, they won't let me pray. Well, listen, you can pray silently. I thought you had to pray it out of your mouth. It's better, but Jesus does know the thought and intent of your heart. One of the reasons, you know, I finally got my mind right, Luke, the reason I got my mind right once and for all and knew for 100% sure that this was going to be my wife because there were some moments where I wobbled and wibbled because I didn't want to get hurt. I didn't know this, but she was going to work. I've told you this. She was going to work every day, and she worked for a major corporation in Nashville with a lot of people around her. So she couldn't just start praying out loud where she was at, but she would take her break time or her time to go to the restroom and shut the door in the restroom in there and would, while she was there, she would pray for me. Can you imagine that God put two people together while she was sitting on the toilet? Praise God. Or whatever she was doing in there, which is none of my business. I just know that she was praying for me. You can pray anywhere at any time. Don't look at her. Give me your sympathy and protect me. Amen? She prayed for me. I didn't even know she was doing this. And there were days where I was really rocky. I was like, because, you know, once you've been burned, you know, one, once bitten, twice shy, baby, you know. For you great white fans, or all one of you. <laughs> Amen. So, when you say, I don't have time to pray, that is a lie. Why? Because you can pray anywhere at any time. Amen. While you're driving. While you're lying in bed. While you are at work. While you're doing, and you could go on with that list, could go on and on, you can pray. So quit saying, I don't have time to pray. I know that we all look at the one hour, Jesus said you could pray before an hour. It wasn't the hour that was important. He was just saying, when the time, he said, this is my time of temptation. I'm going to show you what I'm about to do because I'm about to come up against the biggest test of my life. And I want to show you what I did in it. I prayed. Amen. Now, you're going to have, he was saying to the rest of them, you're going to have your own hour of temptation. And let me tell you, the only way you're going to get through it is you're going to have to pray. Amen. The Bible says, pray that you enter not into temptation, doesn't it? How do you enter not into temptation? You pray. Amen. Can you shout amen? amen. Are you Okay. Can I go just a little bit more? Amen. I know the heart can only receive what the butt can endure. I get it. 
All right, number five, reason that we don't pray. I've said this one earlier. We believe that prayer should be saved for emergency situations only. Folks, that is so crazy. Now, I'm going to say something that's hard to say and probably harder to hear. If the only time you pray is in desperation, I can go ahead and tell you that there's a pretty high percentage that you're not going to get an answer that you want. Now, God is sovereign and God can move and God can override some things, but most of the time, it's not going to go that way. There's a lot of people in the world get mad at God because they, they asked God to do something and he didn't. Now, these are people that are lying, thieving, drinking, philandering, godless, mocus, and everything else. But when they get in desperation, oh, God, please, God. And then when God doesn't do what they want, then they get even harder against God and speak even worse against the church and against people of faith because, well, I asked God and he didn't do anything. Well, how many times did God nudge you to quit cheating on your wife? Quit drinking like a fish. Quit smoking like a dragon. Quit shooting up like a star. Do I need to add to the list? And then you're going to get mad at God because all of a sudden you become spiritual in a desperate situation and he didn't answer it? Anybody home? So we sometimes think prayer is only for emergencies. I said earlier, if you're praying every day and you got a prayer life, what happens when an emergency comes, you'll already be ready to move and know what to do. And a lot of times you're going to get a miracle. Amen. And then number six, reason we don't, there are those who think that the more they pray, the better the odds are they'll get what they want. I want you to know that's not what I'm telling you today. Just praying for the sake of praying. Now, we're, we've sat 22 minutes for 22 days. You know what that's really for? It's to condition you to start praying. Because I already know, and this is not, this is not judging you, and I'm not, I'm not being mean or coming down on you at all, but I know that a lot of you don't have a prayer life. I know that. The statistics tell me that most Christians don't have a prayer life. So what God told me was tell them to pray 22 minutes a day for 22 days, and I knew what would come out of that is some of you, if, you, if you'll stay with it, after 22 days, you won't say, that's over, I can't, I can stop now. You'll say, you know what, I'm going to stop and pray. I'm, I'm, I'm going to, even though the 22 days is over, I need to pray. Day 23, you may not pray 22 minutes, you say, but I need to pray. Amen. And it'll help you get into the habit of knowing I need to go before God. Amen. Amen. Prayer is intimacy with God. Amen. Amen. That's how you get intimate with God, you pray. Amen. Aren't you glad? You know, John, here's, now, a lot of people say, well, I can't hear. How do you hear from this? The number one question you get asked. As a pastor, number one question, how do I hear from God? I, 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 number one, there are a lot of things, but they're way down here. Number two through whatever. Number one is, pastor, I don't know how to hear from God. I just don't believe it. It's hard to hear from God. That is not scriptural. John chapter 10, four times in John chapter 10. This is one chapter. Four times in John chapter 10, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd and the sheep hear my voice. They hear my voice. He said, and if another one tries to call them, they won't go with him. See, you're not intimate enough with God to know when he's speaking. But if you get intimate with him, then you'll know his voice every time. A thousand people could call me on the phone and she could be one of them and I would know which one her voice was just like that. Pick a right. People could try to do an impression on her and it wouldn't. Not going to work. I know her voice. I know her voice. She knows my voice. Now I do voices. 
I hear voices. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, all right, we better get back over here for a minute. We're almost done, I think. GP, are you still with me? All right. Prayer is the only connection mankind has with heaven. I know I said that to you earlier. Prayer is what causes man to find his purpose. I said this in the first service. Causes man to find his purpose. The more you pray, the more it moves you towards your purpose, even when you don't know you're being moved. Even when you don't realize you're being moved towards it, the more you pray, the more you get moved into and towards your purpose. I, I was... I believe I was destined to pastor this church. Well, God, had, God knew this way before I did. I was destined. But if I had not done what I needed to do on my side to pray, it would have passed me by. Because I did have a prayer life over these 33 and a half years we've been in this church and then the almost 12 and a half before I started this church when I was a Christian. I, I, I didn't do everything right. I didn't know everything. I was, you know, all that. But, but I did, I consistently had a prayer life. And when I'm going along thinking nothing's happening, God's nudging me. And I don't even know it. And I, you know, I'm going along, nothing's happening. God's nudging me. And I don't even know it, but he's nudging me into my path, into my purpose. Because every time I pray, even if I've lingered out here a little bit, when I start praying, I get nudged again. And I don't even know it. I get nudged right back into my purpose. Men ought always to do what? Pray. And not what? Pray. It's your only choice. You're either going to pray or you're going to faint. You're going to give up. The, the, most translations use the word give up there, by the way. Uh, when you look at the other translations of Luke 18 and verse 1, they say to give up. So the only reason I made it to where I am now is not, again, because I am anything, but I did pray. And the prayer is what kept me on my path to my purpose. That's what will keep you there. Well, but I'm getting older now. You know, dear Lord, I mean, Pastor William, I'm not a spring chicken anymore. Says who? What is a spring chicken anyway? What number is that? I forgot. I mean, somebody forgot to tell me that after this number, you're no longer a spring chicken. And you, you're an old rooster or something. I don't know. I, my earth years... I have to tell the truth that my earth years are 63, but that is not my age in the spirit. Amen. Well, you know, when you get to be in your 60s, you know, this starts cracking, and that starts breaking, and this starts falling down, and that starts, you know, and I'm like, well, I'm not saying that. And I'm certainly not praying like that. And Lord, I'm a kind of getting old down here, Lord. Please help me, Lord. One more day, I'm, I'm not doing that. I'm just not going there. Amen. My Uncle Bill, he did die a Christian, there's no doubt. He did love the Lord. We had conversations. He was a member of the same. Check this out. If nothing else, my Uncle Bill was faithful to the church that he was a part of. He was a member of the same church for 73 years. And people come in here and they get mad and they're gone in a year. Do you think he saw some stuff in 73 years in that church? 
You think their things went perfect in that church every week? You think the leadership always made the best choices or did the right things or treated his friends the way they should have been treated? Absolutely not. Could because they're humans. Humans are never going to be perfect. Get that settled before you go any further and it'll help you just relax in life a little bit. Your reaction is what's important. But I did look at it this way. He lived almost to be 96. Now, he didn't know near what I know, and that's not bragging. He just didn't know that much of the word. He didn't. He was not spirit-filled. I am. So if he lived to be 96 like that, bless the Lord God. You guys are stuck with me for a while. Well, you don't know that, but I sure am praying it. All right. Now, we're almost done. You said that 15 minutes ago. I know. I'm hungry. Praise the Lord. Prayer is what causes man to find his purpose. Prayer is able to cut through the resistance of man. So there are going to be a lot of people resist you. There are going to be a lot of people uh, try to block your path. There going to be a lot of situations arise in your life to try to let... Everything the devil does to you is to get you to get, let go of your faith. Amen. Everything. Get you offended. Get you sick get you mad, cause something to happen on your job, cause one of your kids to act up, cause your spouse not to act like they should. You go down the list. But remember, everything the devil does in your life is to try to, let, to get you to let go of your faith. And when that happens, you need to dig in deeper. How are you going to do it? Prayer. The old hymn, I talked about it last week, take it to the Lord. What a friend we have in Jesus is, take it to the Lord in prayer. Take it to the Lord in prayer. That's what you have to do. So prayer helps to break down man's resistance towards you. How many times we've seen people in the Bible that said it's going to go this way, like kings and leaders, and then one of God's people was there and said, well, I'm praying, and then uh, God said, uh, excuse me, but you're moving aside. Daniel was told, don't you pray anymore. We don't pray around here, and if you do, you're going to be thrown into that lion's den. The Bible says when he found out, I, here's what I love about it, when Daniel found out what the decree was. He threw open his doors, his windows, and prayed three times a day, just like he always did. He said, you're not changing my prayer life. They may try to keep it out of the schools. They may try to tell you you can't do it at work. They may try to tell you, you know, blah, blah, whatever they want to tell you. You just say, well, I'm telling you one thing. You're not stopping me from praying. You're not stopping me from praying. And then, of course, we have to pray in faith. That was the next part of that. We talked about it last week, but let's not minimize it. I said it earlier. What things soever you desire when you what? Pray. pray. Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. That's why you need to be in a place that feeds you faith. Amen. You don't need, well, I can just go to any church. Well, of course you can go to any church. Well, I like that church over there. They got all kinds of programs. Yeah, they got a lot of programs. Well, I think they're kind of cool and they're kind of the thing and they're kind of in and out. And a lot of my friends go over there. That's wonderful. You better check out what's being preached. The word is more important than anything. I said to the first group, and I'll do my final closing here. In this church, people come in here from all kinds of places with all kinds of ideas. Well, they need to do this and they need to do that. We were at some of some of church and they did this and some of some of church did that. And I know over there they did this over that church. And I really like when I was at that church and they did that over here. And I don't know why Faith Outreach doesn't do it because, you know, right across town they're doing this over here. And I don't even know why we don't do it over at our church. Let me ask you, 
Why did you initially come to Faith Outreach and stay? Was it for the programs or because of the word we preached? Then why would you leave to go somewhere that has programs? Why would you leave? Because, well, you know, they do more with the men and the women and they got this for the kid and they got that over there and they do this little thing and they have this little summit and I don't understand why we don't do it. But, you know, that didn't matter when you came in here and your life got saved and changed when we were preaching the word. The word's always going to be number one in this church. Number one. If you're looking for a whole lot more, we, we do stuff. Now, here's the thing, too. When we do stuff, people don't come, and then they fuss because we don't have it, but you didn't come. I don't even get that. I sure wish they'd, okay, we have, well, that was on a day when I couldn't, well, okay, well, I'm sorry, honey. We didn't check with you on your schedule because we only got several hundred people that have schedules. Don't shut me down now. The Bible says the word is able to save your soul. It says the water of the word whereby you are able to grow. You know, you know the reason we started this church, the reason. Now, we want to be multicultural. We knew that. We were going to minister to our military. Those are huge parts and aspects of what we're called to do. But number one, the Lord said to me, I want a word church in Clarksville. He said this to me in 1988, and I rebelled for a year. I ran from that. I tried not to do it. He said, I want a word church in Clarksville. He said, not that there aren't churches that have good preaching. I'm not saying they're not. I'm not saying that there aren't churches that are preaching. But he said, I knew what he meant by that. Somebody's going to preach faith. Never going to be, no matter what little trends blow through and what little fads come through and all, they're never going to, they're not going to buckle. They're not going to change. They're not going to go with all that movement. They're going to stay steady. They're going to stay solid. They're going to be, they're going to keep the word as the feature of what we do. Now I'm going to go ahead and tell you, if you don't want that, you're not going to be happy here then. I know why I'm here today is because I heard the word of God. It took a nobody. I'm an absolute less than nobody, high school dropout, little shaggy-haired kid that couldn't do anything right, that nobody believed in but my mama. And God took that young man and somehow got me to where I am today, whatever you think that is. But I tell you how I got there. It's from that word right there. I didn't get there because of a program because I went to some little retreat or conference somewhere. Those things are good and they're fun. You can enjoy, but I'm talking about what got me. Every time I wanted to faint and every time I wanted to quit, and every time I wanted to give up, I, the word kept telling me, get back in there and pray. Get in there and pray. I got your, the answer's here, but you're going to have to pray. You have to pray to get the answers. Knowing the answers does not produce them. You have to pray the answers. You've been listening to the Outreach.fm podcast with your host, Pastor William Luffman. We hope you've gotten some inspiration from this show. We enjoyed bringing it to you. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, reach out online. Find our website at faithoutreach.org. The streaming platform is livestreamchurch.com. Get an inspirational shot at a doseofhope.com. You've been listening to Outreach.fm. And remember, no matter what the weather may seem like in your life, the sun's going to shine again.